I'll rip your arm off. You what? Get your ass back home, get in the gym, and figure out what the hell you're doing wrong. Might be called the five-point move. I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys from the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that, that want to win. we got to help them get there. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the 5 Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of 5pointmove.com with my co-host, world champ and Olympic silver medalist, Dennis Hall. There's a lot of stuff to get to, including two really cool guests, newly minted UWW Junior National Champ Andrew Berryessa, and the Air Force's Brandon Mueller, who himself qualified for the Senior World Team Trials on Friday. Uh, Hall was down in Las Vegas for the U.S. Open and all that last week. Uh, I don't know. I thought this was an exciting tournament all the way through. You have a tendency to be a little bit more... Um, well, not as enthusiastic as me, anyway. So, uh, what did you think overall? I thought the tournament was great. I I thought the athletes went out there to score points, and you know there wasn't any any guys just looking to win by passivities, which was nice. You know the referees didn't have much uh, say in in the matters. You know guys were going out there and they were attacking and putting points on the board, and so it was a pretty exciting nationals. This was also the first major domestic event with the updated rule emphasis, the negative wrestling and so forth. Uh, we've covered that to death, at least on the platform. I asked Lindland about it, and his answer will be available, I suppose, in the coach's report. Um, but how much of the action we saw do you think could be attributed to the rules? You know, I... Hard to say. Um, you know, if a if a guy's getting in bad position, I ain't gonna let the guy score on me just because of a rule. I'm gonna make them make the call. So I don't think that really has much to do with it. I just think the emphasis is on you know scoring points, and you know I like to look at it opposite of what the rules, you know, the way the rules are set up because. Uh, you know, if you focus on negative wrestling, you're focused on the wrong thing. By focusing on scoring points, you're always in position to score. This is like you talking about not wrestling to the rules, right? Yeah, no, you never wrestle to the rules. It, that's stupid. All right, well, here, then let's... I mean, the procedural implications were pretty important. So on a scale from 1 to 10, I'm big on using the 10 scale, and you'd certainly be equipped to I don't know if I can count that high. Well, I have too many jokes. I already have a really good one in my head that I want to save. But uh, uh, how? Seriously, though, I don't know how you measure it, how it's important, but how important, and you're equipped to answer this, how important is the buy to the trials finals for these guys? You know, I think it can be good and it can be bad. It just, you know, it depends on the individual athlete. You know, a lot of the guys that are waiting right now are going to have to get a game plan together to make sure they're ready because the other guys can have matches in, so... I think, uh, you know, it, it is important, you know. I always try to look at it as a positive 
competitive, but you know, I, I think the main thing is you got to go out there and you got to battle and you got to put yourself on the team. You know, it doesn't matter where you're at. Your whole goal, whether you're number seven or whatever, is to make that team. So, you, you know, these guys got a job to do, and that's to get ready for world team trials, get better over the next uh, couple months, and, and try and make that team. When you say that, I mean, it could be positive, could be negative. Is one of the negatives the idea that a guy who wins the challenge tournament is working with momentum? Yeah, I mean he's he's excited. Uh, you know, he that part of the tournament's over now. Now he's got a shot to to improve himself. So yeah, that I mean, you know, the the number one guys a lot of times they come off flat that first match. So they they got to make sure that they get ready and and. And get a great warm up in, and and aren't you know just sitting around all day. All right. Well, you know what? Let's kind of make this a little bit more personal. Well, you won you won the Open as a senior. How many times? Ten. Ten times, right? Ten. Okay. Yeah. Do you vividly remember your first? Uh yeah, nineteen ninety two. What about it stands out besides the fact that it was your first? You know the. Uh, Sean Sheldon wrestled up weight class because he had a bye going into uh, the Olympic trials in 92. And they seated him ahead of me. And I'm like, uh, you know, you can imagine what I was thinking. So, you know, a 14 and a half pounder coming up to 25 and they seat him number one. So it uh, it didn't sit well with me. I wanted to prove to all the guys that were in the seed meeting they were screwed up. You know, and uh, but no, it was good. It was a good hard fought match. Sean's a tough. He he's a bad dude. Um, you know, I think I won three to two or something like that. I don't know, maybe three zero. I don't even remember a score. But it was just cool getting that first uh, stop sign at the senior level. Um, you know, and it it was a stepping stone. I mean. I'm trying not to ask a trite question, so w- w- let's make it more milk toast to start. What okay. was your What was your favorite thing about competing in the event, and what was your least favorite? Let's say. You know, favorite thing is it, it was in Vegas. There's a lot of stuff to do, so you could take your mind off of wrestling and and get out and just relax a little bit when when uh, you weren't competing. You know, the weather's great. You could go out hang out by the pool, you could do whatever. But, uh, you know, as as far as the competition part, you know, it's just you're showcasing yourself in front of, you know, a decent amount of fans. It wasn't always a ton of fans, but, um, you know, the people come out to see throws. They come out to see action, and, and it was fun giving them that. Least. What was your least, least favorite? Making weight. It sucked. That was easy. Yeah. Ask anybody on the wrestling mat. They'll tell you the same thing. <laughs> All right. Well, then how Especially about. now they got two-day two day weigh-ins. Well, then wait a minute. Then how about this, though? I mean, considering the, the breadth of your career, the length of your career, how about yeah. once you were entrenched as, like, you know, the top guy, did you carry, like, yourself, did you carry any sort of pressure 
into the open, especially given the procedures. I, I don't, I don't want to hear about the trials. I get, I get the trials. This is a different tournament, maybe not tougher, but bigger. And like we talked about with Spencer last week, it's kind of like you just mentioned too. It's supposed to, it's a, kind of supposed to be a spectacle. I mean, later in your career, it was it, a lot of times it was just this and the trials for you most of the time domestically anyway. So like, was there any, at, at any various point you want to think of, did you carry pressure in? You know, I, I think uh, in the 2000s, I carried some pressure because, you know, um, it was my job. It was my full-time job, and, and it was to win, and I was trying to provide insurance to my family. I was trying to provide them a okay living, not poverty. Uh, so there was pressure I had in um, the like 2000 through 2004, I had, I had one kid up till 2002. Then in 2002, I had a second kid. And, you know, you're living a, a life of poverty if you don't win it, you know. So it there was definite pressure um, based upon, you know, my circumstances with my family. So it it did change. When I, when I was younger and, you know, like 92 through 96, it there wasn't much pressure. It was more fun and, you know, but once you have a kid, life changes. Well, no, it's interesting you even bring that up because when I talked to Robbie the other day for like, you know, whatever post piece, just quotes from a few of the guys who won, you know, Robbie said like, this, this wasn't about getting matches and this was about money. You know, he's getting married and he's got all this other stuff, yeah. you know, and that, that's oh, probably not sure. an answer. Every like purist, like, loves to hear but that's reality it's reality because it does put pressure on on guys you know i mean you got to go in there and you know you might be banged up at the u.s open it's very rare you're you're not banged up at a at a major tournament but you know what uh your income's based on upon performance so you know what you're, you're gonna you're gonna think a little bit more and even though you don't want to in the back of your head. All right. Well, let's move move to present day a little bit more. Not counting Ben Provisor's match or overall performance. What other athlete or athletes were you most impressed by Thursday and Friday? You know, Robbie Smith was pretty dominant. Um, you know, beating uh, Kuhn five zero in the finals. You know, it never was once in any position to get scored on in the finals. You know, during the rest of the tournament, he kind of walked through it pretty easy. Um, you know, Ryan Mangle wrestled great. He, uh, you know, had a good match against the Oki, tacked him out, and and in the finals, wrestled solid. You know, the, there was uh, at 55, Max and Hayes Winkle. It was good seeing those guys go at it and battle and how Max would handle a guy that, that is and going to the body and he was able to stop Sam's attacks. So, you know, there, there were just up and down the lineup. There were a lot of great matches, you know, um, Dalton Roberts at, uh, what's the weight? Is it 60? 60. Yep. 60, you know, him and Fufanger were going at it back and forth and, you know, that was an exciting match. I, I think it uh, he won by a point or by it, 
It was a high score match. Nine eight. He won nine eight. Yeah. He was, he was down. He got a caution uh, at the like ten minute, ten second mark. He gets put down. He has to yeah. defend a li- uh, you know defend a turn, defend a lift yep. for ten seconds. Yep. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean all all the matches were pretty high scoring and just explosive. That was the cool part, I think. Yeah, the Greco matches. If, if people watch it from uh, the pure form of the sport. You know, they they saw a lot of good things from that tournament. It was it was neat. You know, a lot of scoring, a lot of action. No, I mean, look, Linlin and I talked about it uh, for the coaches report. Yeah, he's he's a bit more diplomatic, but like out of the competition, out of the styles, Greco was the most exciting style this weekend, and it's been a while since you could have said that at an open. Um, no, for sure. You know, I, I mean? agree. It absolutely was. And that's not yep. saying it with bias. I don't have bias. I'm used to being like, okay, I wish that there was more action so it could attract fans, <laughs> yeah. you know, and so on. Yep. So, well, if that was, let's say, you know, some sort of mission ahead of time, it was accomplished. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, when you're putting up those types of numbers in those matches, the, the scoring was was uh, probably higher than it's ever been at an open for the finals. I'd almost bet on that. What is this? This is episode this is episode 16. Yeah. Oh, this is episode 16, like um like 16 candles, which is the be- the best of the three major Molly Ringwald movies from the 80s. It's in yeah. order. In order, it's 16 candles. Pretty in Pink, which I maintain is severely underrated. And then The Breakfast Club, that one is overrated. And remember, far more fondly than it should be. 16 Candles, yeah. 16 candles is where it's at. Because you've got, you've got Cooch from Vision Quest as Jake, Wimpy from Popeye as the dad, Dong, who's also in Gung Ho. I, I love that freaking movie, man. That one and Better Off Dead. I mean... Ruled a big part of my youth. I still love them today. I love those movies. Are you... you Classics. Good. So you're not too masculine to say you love 16 Candles? Yeah, no, it's good. Right. I mean, it doesn't mean anything if you you said it. I mean... Yeah. No, it is. Dude, my daughter is named Molly, and that wasn't even on purpose, but, like, I'm happy about it when I think of these things. Yeah. That's good. All right. Well, why don't we go and bring in guest number one, Andrew Barriessa. All right. Sounds good. Joining us now is 2018 UWW Junior National Champ, and he also won Fargo for the first time last year as well, and that is Andrew Barriessa. Hall, before I even forget to mention this, um, Barriessa, if I, if I have it right, I might not, and I'm sure he'll correct me is studying agriculture, <laughs> agriculture of some sort at a Cornell. He is going to look into, I guess, like genetically modifying the grain cows feed on so everyone in Wisconsin becomes smarter. Hell, I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> that works for me. I'm going to get angry comments from that, too. It was worth it, though. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> I would ask you how the selfless journey to aid the dairy state's evolution into the current century is going so far, but I guess we probably have more important things to talk about. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah, we don't want to get in that rabbit hole. <laughs> well, well, brass, brass tacks, I guess. I know, I know how important getting Fargo out of the way meant to you last summer. So where does this, when, I mean, close to home of all things too, uh, at the UWW mm-hmm. trials now rank in terms of taking a step in your career? Oh, I think as far as taking a step in my career, it was, it was huge. Cause I was thinking about it with uh, some of my roommates the other day. I was like, man, I could just never get it done at like the, at UWW stuff, like cadet and junior like trials. I was never really even close. My first year at UWW cadets, I actually drew uh, John Jay first round. And then I drew Jesse Porter second round. I went two and out and I was like, geez, what a, like, what a way it's been, but it was kind of different than Fargo as far as like, I didn't really feel it was almost as if it was unfinished, unfinished business in a way, because it's like, all right, I'm, I'm glad I won this. I'm glad I'm put myself in the two or three, but I got to make that world team. I got to win at the trials. So it was, it was almost like a stepping stone. I think it was like half of the job was done. No, I mean, I think that's probably the way like a, a coach would want to hear it. Um, it's, 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 there's a dichotomistic aspect to this because they are two different tournaments. I mean, a lot of coaches say that anyway. I mean, it, the, the way they look, you know, just aesthetically, they're, they're, they're two different tournaments. The style of wrestling is different right. and everything else. Uh, we, you know what? We touched on this actually in the open. What did you think about the negative wrestling emphasis? Mm, I guess I wasn't really too. Uh, I honestly, I don't even think I was like knew that it was a thing because I've just been kind of immersed in folk style for a while. And then the Sweden duel, we had a duel with Sweden uh, like a little, like two weeks before that. Right. And it really didn't come up. So I guess I just wasn't ready for it to be, um, I guess the refs to be as liberal as they were with it. But I think overall, once they kind of smooth things out, it'll end up being a positive thing. Just like, like in terms of uh, watchability, I thought the seniors was some of the like most exciting finals that I've seen in a while. So I think uh, after they get everything they get on one page with the athletes, like it'll end up being pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I think what we're looking for out of the officials and I agree is, is that there needs to be, maybe it's too early for this, but there needs to be a little bit more uniformity. And that is you have, you know, depending on what mat and what round or whatever, you had some refs who were far more overzealous than others. You know, they, they're, they're just calling everything. Because they, they don't know better, so they figure, you know what, I might as well just call everything because worst-case scenario, it'll be paddled, you know? Right. But other than that, like, if that's what it took to kind of at least help drive, I mean, just overall, juniors and seniors, both tournaments were just, oh, it was, uh, there was a, look, I'm hardcore, so I could watch a two-to-one, you know, grind <laughs> match. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. I mean... Beer in hand, late at night, watching like you know some tournament, from, you know, overseas, like for yeah. no reason, like stuff like that's cool to me. 
but at the end of the day, yeah. we need to attract viewers. So I don't know. Um, you know, I don't. I yeah, don't, for sure. I don't know where hallways. It's, it's like I'm the same way. You know, like we've talked about that before. Just like I'll watch it to a, uh, like a two to one, one to one, just like hand fight match, basically. But. Well, dude, if they're yeah, brawling that, and it's two to one, then that's just reality and that's yeah. just life, and we all have to. I mean, that's, that's awesome. To that good, exactly. Like if there, if it, the level is really high, and it's right. and it's a match with any sort of kind of meaning or whatever, you watch a two to one match, and like the whole time you're. I mean, I dig my friggin' index fingernail into my thumb because like i get nervous waiting for something to happen like that, <laughs> dude that shit is awesome when that happens but if it's two to one because nobody's even trying anything and we're playing passive so who got knocked first okay <laughs> right. well, i got knocked first so that means yep. i should win two to one right i mean essentially so you know the real test on the pass passive uh wrestling is going to be at the world championships you know, and how the refs call it there. If they use it to decide matches or if they, if the athletes are, are going harder and, and attacking more, I mean, that's going to be the true test, to be honest. Yeah, Budapest is going to be a very important place to be. Budapest is going to be extremely important because if this world's, first off, the, unfortunately, the bar as far as, you know, watchability, that scale, the bar right now for a world, um, sad, sad to say, is not very high considering how bad Paris and Rio were. So yeah. anything would be an improvement. But, yeah, if if the world winds up being, like, sem- semi-terrific, I, I, don't, I, that, I would be very encouraged over something like that for sure. Right. That's what, I mean, it all comes down to as far as in- – including like uh, results people seem to not really care about uh i mean probably justified but people don't really care about some uh like the i don't know why it's uh escaping my mind but the demo or thor master like people seem to not really care about like thor masters but if someone wins it but if uh no one plays it at the world championships it's a complete failure on the year you know in people's eyes yeah Right. Well, that's because we live in a country that readily embraces this style. Um, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So, I wish. Andrew, you go and at the U23 World Team Trials, you lose via tech to Bracket, which I think was, I think people were surprised, but I, at the same time, I don't think pe- anybody thought that you were eight points behind him skill wise. Um, you go and have a very tough final with him here. Uh, it was a very physical match. It had to be a physical match, I think. Um, I think Brackett kind of, uh, there's only so many ways to wrestle a kid like that, probably. I would, I would imagine anyway. So, um, I don't know. What, I, I guess right off the bat, what was different? What was different? I mean, I, I, other than the fact that October was however many months ago, what was different facing him now? And also, did you have in your mind, uh, knowing how cerebral you are, I'm guessing there was something. What did you have mentally set uh, knowing that you were going to go up against him? Um, so, yeah, U23 was 
really interesting time in my life because I just moved out here and I wasn't really trained. We were kind of just getting our preseason done for folk style. And then I decided that I was going to do the U23 as well. So I was not really soup. Like I was kind of just scattered around with everything. And then, I don't know, I was just kind of trying to wrestle a little too wide open, I guess, like too open. I was just giving up underhooks, like nothing. When I watch, go back and watch the video and it's like, honestly kind of embarrassing and then and then i don't know just now like i've just had a lot of time to work with the hot one-on-one and um working with john jay a lot and i just realized going into against bracket like he's really tough in the hand fight and i knew that's where i was gonna have to beat him just not give up an underhook because that's where he you know gets all of his wins from mostly and uh and it was just going to have to be a hard hand fight. I thought that, I honestly thought I was going to win it in parterre. I thought that's where I had an advantage. I thought as long as I just out pummeled to get maybe a takedown or get him called for passive, that I would win it from parterre because usually I've, I've been able to get a lift or a gut or something, but that didn't end up happening. I just ended up just all in the pummel. So. I guess I'll take it like wins a win, but I'm sure he'll uh, make his adjustments for sure in this next month. So we just have to keep going. What what's the, I mean, you had several, I mean, you, you certainly had several, a lot of those junior brackets were scary brackets too. No pun, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, your last name's bracket. I mean, I come somebody with a last name that is easy to kind of like screw around with and, you know, make dumb yeah. ass jokes, but like, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, some of these brackets were like definitely uh, pumped. I mean, you had it that. It was nice to see the numbers high, too. Yeah. You know, the, the numbers were pretty good for the juniors. Especially in the lighter weight classes, too, which I think was important. Um, for sure going over past years but uh uh you had it you i mean you you actually had there were there were no cookies uh for you in this tournament at all i mean you had Jeez, three bang 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 tough tough matches the match against spencer woods i thought was an important match not just because it was his semis even if that was a scrimmage uh he's a he's a he's a he's a skilled duty this is all he does you know, to me, that was, yeah. to me, that win said something. Yeah. I, uh, knew that he was looking to throw pretty much. He kept trying to get into that, uh, over under body lock type position. So I don't know. I was like mostly a little doubtful, I guess, after my first match with, uh, Bronigal, because I had kind of beat him easily at Fargo. Right. And then he was, he was prepared this time, so he made some adjustments. So I'm gonna have to be ready for him too. Like it was, I really didn't. You're right. Like I didn't have any uh, easy goes at it. Like I had to fight in all three of my matches, so it was tough. So I was pretty glad to get the job done, I guess. Yeah, but maybe yo Hall. Is it better that way though? You know what I mean? Like, is it better to yeah, have? Yeah, just it's shoot to me. Yeah. I... 
You know, I, I like tough matches because it just gets you ready for the next one. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Look at, I guess the look first at any of my world championships, I never had a cakewalk draw. You know, so you know what? One match at a time, right. just keep going. Grind it out. Yeah. Right. So how yeah. how's working with uh, uh, Hod for you? How 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 has he helped you out this year? Yeah, I guess uh, when we were in the trip in Sweden, we kind of had some talks. Like he just we we weren't really uh, in much contact during the folk style season. Like he would yeah. run the RTC practices once a week. Yeah. But, like, he didn't really know me on, like, a personal level, I don't think. And then after Sweden on the way back, we just talked about, he said, you know, what are your what are your goals? And I just told him, I'm trying to make this junior world team. Like, I want to be a junior world champ this year. And he was like, really? Well, that's, like, a pretty tough goal. Like, he didn't realize that that's really what I want. And I said, Coach, yeah, that's really what I want. And then ever since then, he's been so helpful, like, and it's kind of been a short amount of time, but even but every day since then and looking forward to the trials, we're going to be working every day pretty hard. So he's been pretty nice. helpful. That's good. Yeah. It's nice that, uh, you know, some of the uh, training sites, you know, the regional training centers, you know, it's, it's nice that they're starting to incorporate some Greco coaching in there. I know, uh, Harry Lester does a little bit at Ohio State. Um, I'm actually going out to Ohio State working with their guys on upper body stuff uh, at the end of this month. So it's it's good, it, you know. If we could get more more guys in into rooms like that, that just makes the depth that much more. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly on that. Like you can. Like I just watched a video. I retweeted it. It was a uh, David Taylor wrestling with a uh, provisor. I was like, wow, yeah. that's uh, kind of cool. Like, it's gonna make both of them better. There needs make to be more that movies, feet more. Exactly. Definitely. Well, I mean, look. Let's talk about it this way for a second, Hall, and you could jump in on this. In fact, Barryessa, at least the way I see him, is a Greco guy who happens to be good enough at folk style to be part of the Cornell program. Plus, as we talked about, he's very engaged in his mission to make the world a better place through botany or whatever we're calling it. Um, <laughs> but he doesn't apologize for his desire to wrestle scholastically. And what's more, since he's already a well-rounded Greco guy, this is just me now. I'm of the opinion that in a case like his, which some will disagree with, that his collegiate career could stand to actually help him become an even better Greco competitor. Where am I wrong? If I am from the fact that what he might miss some overseas stuff, overseas stuff uh, that takes place during the college season or something. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it, it makes a difference if you finish up in college, but you know, main thing is, is not getting burnt out and, and giving up on a sport once you get out of college. You know, at that point, you got to go full time. And, you know, the NCAA's laxed a little bit about getting semesters off to compete at a senior level world championship. So I don't I don't think it hurts a ton. You know, I mean, you can wrestle 
Greco in a folk style room. I mean, get underhooks, get body locks. And, and, you know, I wrestled in a college room at UWSB. It's Division Three, But, uh, you know, wrestling with those guys, it kept me where I w- was able to change levels really well and, and then come up to the body. So I think it, there's a lot of value to wrestling folk style. Your, your hands are quick. Your feet are quick. And, you know, the, the, the grind of the season just makes you tougher. We lose him? I don't know. We nope. might have. I'm here. Sorry. Okay. Yep, no problem. Oh, now I'm going to have to fucking cut that space. <laughs> <laughs> now you definitely need to cut it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, dude, we're due for one with an explicit label, though. We haven't had one since Ben before <laughs> Paris. Yeah, well, you didn't make me go off on anything yet. Uh, okay, well then, five, four, three. All right, Andrew, so we are what, a few days removed from you winning. Um, is there downtime for you before the training phase for Indianapolis comes into play, or you did you fly back to Ithaca and hit the ground running already? Um, I started, I mean, I took a couple days, because we watched the, the freestyle, we watched the whole open, and then we came back, and I took – one day off, I think, when I got here. And then since then, I guess it's kind of, it's been less regimented, I guess. But I've, I've been on the mat. I wrestled uh, with Max Dean the other, I uh, last two days, actually. Um, and we, I actually did like it, this weird, like hybrid style thing. It was weird. He was like, we're hand fighting, basically. But then every now and then we'd like shoot to a leg. I don't know. We're just playing around. And then I've just been working a little technique things with the hod just kind of getting all the way healthy and then today i wrestled i wrestled a folk style practice and then i went a lift and then a greco practice but working more uh of my par tear trying to get a turn or a lift because that's where i've been successful a lot uh in the past and then um, maybe developing a couple more things on my feet, trying to get some more uh, more scores. Because honestly, I'm I'm a little embarrassed with how I wrestled in Vegas. Like I I pummeled hard, I got the wins, but like I really wanted to to put on more of a show. I thought so. I'm gonna try to hopefully be more watchable. In, uh, uh, I mean, that's a pretty that's that's being a hard marker, don't you think? Considering the scope of competition you've had to go up against. I mean, yeah, it was tough, but I just, you know, it's hard when people will go, oh, you didn't score any offensive points in the finals. And it's, like, hard for me to just, like, like even if they aren't saying that, I, I, you know, I read stuff online or stuff like that. So it's hard to see that, but I really just wish I would have gotten, like, just one takedown or one turn or something, you know. Use your collar. Coach hand fight and then to high dives or slide bys or, you know, change your levels a lot. You you threaten the guy's hips, your throws will come. So right. implement a lot of that type of training, you know. And I know uh, probably guys like uh, Hod are more controlling 
ties and that type of stuff. But yeah. I'm telling you, I know where where we're the best in the United States is when we're attacking the body, attack it low and make that guy pull his, give you a center of gravity, and then your throws are going to be there. Yeah, I agree. To get to the yeah, and Ahab's, Ahab's got some plan for me. Like, he's got everything all planned out. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> he no, doesn't want to give it away. Exactly. For sure, right here, yeah. Yo, do you know that yeah, Barry Bonds? Little adjustments that'll help. Yo, Barry Bonds. When Barry Bonds was uh, asked by a reporter one time why he doesn't help his teammates, you know what he said? He said, "It's not because I'm trying to be a jerk. It's because they might get traded somewhere else and use that knowledge against me." <laughs> That's true. That's like, true. Uh, I saw one time that when an NFL player gets traded, they have to like turn in all the. The playbook. playbooks and make sure they don't have any pictures or anything of it. So, all right. So you're keeping the playbook. Same idea. Playbook. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look at Andrew. We appreciate you hanging on and popping in for episode 16. Congratulations! It was a big win, yeah. and uh, I know we'll see a whole ton more of you. Good luck yeah, at the trials. So yes. Good luck. Thank Talk you. to you soon, Andrew. Okay. Reacting to Berryessa. Uh, I brought up that that folk style thing, and I'm not trying to create heat with you know the Hardy Corey Greco audience, who, who I'm you know essentially devoted my life to. It's just that there's, there's a, the narrative that in order for the United States to be successful at the world level, everybody has to kind of start switching over. I mean. Coach Leland talks about it a lot. Others I, talk about it a lot. I don't disagree, I disagree. with that. Well, I, I don't disagree totally, it. but wait a minute. What about this? The idea, though, and we've talked about this before, you and I, at least, like, privately, you and I have talked yeah, about this. for is, sure. Is that dude, is like, over the last generation, what, like, 98% of our best teams were comprised well, guys of... guys that wrestled yes, in college. Exactly. I agree, 100%. So, you know, I, I mean... A lot of our world medalists have wrestled in college. I mean, I, I wrestled one year for the Badgers. I would have stayed there more if they would have let me go to the world championships, but they didn't. So, you know, it it is what it is. I, you know, if you can make it through the college season and uh, come out in April, you're still getting how many months of Greco training. You, you're going to, you know, it, on the mat is on the mat. It doesn't matter. You're learning how to score, learning how to battle and compete. You know, it, it might just take them a little bit longer to make that adjustment in parterre and, and get their parterre down, but that doesn't take that long if you focus. Yeah, I just, I'm not saying it in a way to, no, look, if it, if I was made, you know, president of sports or something like that in the United States, I would immediately make it that, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling and freestyle wrestling were widely available in all scholastic systems throughout the entire yeah. country. I mean, that would be like first thing I'd do. Okay. Uh, all other problems, <laughs> all other problems, like real serious social issues, I'd put on the back burner and that would be like, you know, edict number one. But yeah. at the same time, I I don't look. 
it's far be it for me to completely go against the, you know, the wave of what, you know, much more experienced, knowledgeable, um, accomplished, but it it just seems, it seems academic to me. Is that like, what? Okay. So we're not going to use all the best. I mean, that's what I think makes this could make this country great. Should has made us great. Is this the, the finer points of folk style don't have to be thrown away. You know, the, you know, the proverbial throw the baby out with the bathwater or however, whatever that goes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I agree. Don't throw the baby. I don't know. Wait, don't throw the baby. You lost me when you talked about a baby. (laughs) You're going to have another one in your life. Yeah. Better not. No way. No, but I, I think that, you know, if we, don't look at some of the college kids like him, you know, we're missing out on a future guys that, that are battle, battle tested. You know, the, these guys go through a grind during the college season. I'm not saying that, that kids have to go to college to wrestle Greco. I'm just saying, you know what? Don't count them out. Give them a chance. You know, if, if, if they want to go to trials and, and wrestle, you know, make it available for them. Well, right. The only thing I worry about with college guys, as, at least in the current generation, okay, is that a lot of the guys, a lot of kids, essentially, who are either going into college, like, let's say, next year or are graduating or have graduated recently, they grew up wrestling folk style. That's one thing. But the difference is that they probably grew up wrestling folk style a whole hell of a lot more matches than either you or I did. You know, these kids nowadays are getting in what, like some obscene number of matches. It's ridiculous. Okay. Per year. So so what you wear, what you worry about, at least, at least for me, is the idea of wear and tear. Even without that, I mean, college is, you know, I think it can beat you up really badly, but like, the wear and tear combining all the, when this kid was 10, he was already wrestling 70 matches a year and he was. Yeah. But what is a match? A match is one minute when you're 10 years old. Okay. But you understand. Okay. Now you're making it sound funny though. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I, it, you know what, if you love the sport, you're going to, you're going to wrestle. It doesn't matter how many matches you get. Um, you know, if, if, if you get, you know, 75 matches and you love it, who cares? Do, you know, your, your body, you know, the the biggest thing is, is you can't get afraid to lose. If you get afraid to lose, then, then the sport becomes a job and then you got to get the hell out. Fair enough. And that, uh, I would say leads to our next guest, uh, very, very well. Uh, yeah, now, now we've got nerd number two. Uh, a really a, a bigger nerd than Barryessa could hope to be, and that is uh, wait, Brandon. What is your title again? Uh, I mean, I'm a physicist. Is my duty, uh, my job for the Air Force. So, like an engineering physicist or something like that. Yeah, something something along those lines. I mostly work as a program manager, but I uh, was trained as a physicist, space physicist. Right. Okay. Nevertheless, that, that well, that, yeah. that's above my pay grade. Right. 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 <laughs> that is obviously Air Force's Brandon Mueller, who I don't. I mean, previously qualified for World Team Trials, but um, sure, he wrestled in Vegas. He had some tough matches, some good matches, but some tough matches. And Mueller trained under 
Hall for a bit for a bit, I think either right before or right after Mueller's testicles descended. Uh, do either of you, <laughs> do either of you remember this well enough to offer any substance? I I, I remember I, I remember I was lighter than Hall, so yeah uh, yeah have, yeah. So I must have been uh, yeah. I was definitely some middle school camps, maybe a little bit in high school as well. Yep. Oh, actually, definitely high school because we did that uh, that preseason uh, camp yep. that uh, my senior year. So that was that was good. Yeah. Okay. Well, first off, let me just for the audience. So what? What? Just a, it's just a shame. It's a shame that uh, Dennis taught me folk style. You know, exactly. Greco right away from the start. I know. <laughs> well, I hear you. Well, no, but that's that's this is. Okay, for the audience who might not be aware, this is what makes Brandon Mueller the asterisk, the the anomaly, is that first and foremost, he's from Wisconsin, which you would automatically expect like some kind of pedigree, Greco pedigree. And not to mention, we I made fun of Wisconsin like I think three, two, three times already. <laughs> um, there's, but he, but he, he really kind of didn't, and not only did and he grow up wrestling Greco, he actually started really late. What what was the, what age were you, like 24, 25? 20, 25. Okay. Uh, really when I started training Greco. And it just, now, I, first time I saw you, in person anyway, at least so far as I can remember, was the 2017 Armed Forces Championships you gave Hooker, uh, a pretty tough go of it there. And then I think whatever it was, a month and change later, you go and take a silver at a tournament that you probably had no right taking a silver at, and that's the Christian Palisalo tournament in Estonia. And you go and wrestle in the World Team Trials last year, and, you know, okay, that was, you know, a little bit of a crash course, but you still, you, you, you still impressed with how you performed. And then Mueller get selected to the military world team wrestles Adam Kirak and Ashton by a Vanguard, the only two opponents he wrestles, both former world medalists, and he lost to him by a combined six points, I believe, something like that, right? And yeah, you yeah. lost to Kirak yeah, six to three. You were beating Kirak at one point and you lost to Yeah, being three to one got too excited. Okay. <laughs> and it's that's incredible. And now I know we We've covered this. I've said it to other people. Yeah, you, you know, maybe you don't go nuts over close losses to great guys. I don't know how people norm like normal people think of that as a big deal. Maybe people like yourselves don't. I, I for me, going by your experience level and the fact that you've had this kind of natural ability inside you that you had obviously you had no idea it was even there. To me, that's a story in and of itself. For me, uh, the fact that you are self-deprecating about nearly everything involving your career and your life in general is just the icing on the cake, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Um, I don't know really how, how to judge uh, close loss because, I mean, even at uh, trials, um, there's, you know, basically every match I won and lost by, um, by tech fall because there I was, uh, you know, just going crazy at the end of the matches because I had nothing else uh, to go for, so I was, you know, getting tossed at the end of the matches. But, um, so, yeah, I don't know really the right way to look at it, but it was just interesting coming off the mat after some of those. Uh, by Vanguard, I had, I had no idea who he was going into that match. 
And uh, I just went out there a few him as someone else. I knew he was going to be tough. And Did you know he was going to be tough because he was Iranian? Well, I watched him wrestle one of the previous matches, and you know, looked pretty tough against um, against uh, Kirak. And I knew Kirak was good, so that was my, my gauge. <laughs> you know how insane that sounds? Like how insane that sounds? Like yeah, you know, I didn't even really know who he was. Yeah, I, I just could tell he was probably pretty good. It's like. Um, yeah, yeah. Been on a podium. So, well, so what I've been doing lately, I, I, I think I can wrestle better. Um, because even the, in Kirak, you know, knowing who he was, maybe I didn't stay as mentally focused after, you know, getting up on him. So I've been having, when, when possible, just not to have him, have my coach maybe look at, scout him a little bit, um, t- positions, techniques he likes. Hey, this guy got on, don't be a little careful if you're in a collar tie or something. Not careful with your underhooks stuff like that, just some points of emphasis, but then not necessarily talking about the athlete's acc- accolades. And uh, maybe that helps a little bit more. And uh, we're wrestling the semis at the Schultz from Japan. Um, I think he took, uh, he lost in the third place match in Rio. And right. it was just a match of passivities. So the 2-1 match with him. So I, I had no idea who that guy was either. Right. <laughs> well, wait a minute. As funny as this all is, and and you know I like I always laugh at these things, is that what what I I kind of wondered, you know, we'll get to Vegas in a second, but what I've kind of wondered is, even if you did know and you you knew everything about every like like you know, really skilled guy you face, would you would you know all their accolades, all their credentials, like you say? Would that even matter so much to you? Like, do you? Are you the type who would blow that up in your head? Um, no, not necessarily. And I think that's something that uh, maybe helps. Um, you know, I'm 27 now, and I've wrestled since you know third grade. I have some of the maturity on you know being able to talk to myself and mentally get in the right state, whether it's calm myself down, ramp myself up, and then stay under control. So I, I think I'm I'm okay at it, and it's something I have to keep working on. Um, I don't know if you can really relax and stuff like that, but, um, you know, I'd like to think that as I progress, I'm starting to know who the starting to recognize the names and whatnot and know that when I'm going out there and still being able to <laughs> stay good in those matches. <laughs> You're starting to learn who the guys are. Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. Why do they throw you on your hat? You're like, oh, I should figure out who that guy is. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go look him up right now. <clears throat> Okay, so let's get to Vegas now. Then, first match of the tournament for you. Uh, first match of the tournament, I think was that was a kind of a crazy, crazy match for you. Uh, his name is Xavier Johnson. There's, I, uh, you know, two Xavier Johnson. So there's the Xavier Johnson from the Marines. And yeah, it, it was really, it was really confusing for me when I saw the bracket because <laughs> like. Xavier Johnson, you just threw Eldar. So uh, I was like, but there's no way he's, he's no way he's up at that weight class. Um, but uh, then I, I, you know, I was looking and it's like, yeah, there's two Xavier Johnsons. This is the uh, very strong Xavier Johnson. Uh, not the other one's not, but uh, yeah, he was a, a solid uh, 75, uh, 77 kilo guy. So um, I don't know what to what to really say about that match. The well, the um, one thing to say about that no, match I, is that you were forced to come back from <laughs> you know near tech. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got, uh, you know, a little bit behind and I could feel that he was maybe starting to get tired, but, um, then I got a little eager, thought I could get a push out, um, you know, kind of make an attack while having an underhook by the edge of the mat. And I, I felt like I had good shoulder position there and I was safe to, you know, push a little, but I got lat dropped. And, uh, then that, then that's what put me down the nine to two. So, uh, that's uh, as bad as it gets right for Greco. And, uh, and I, uh, somehow they were able to take down and my coach was just yelling lift and, um, I was able to hit a lift for four. So just like that uh, was six points and I was back in the match. So, well, right. And your conditioning um, was and, superior. Um, that played a big role too, is in that second period. Yeah, you started absolutely. And because, yeah. And that's how they were able to uh, keep scoring. You know, after that, and I mean, after the lift, I of course uh, I mean, exhaustion after that. Um, but I, I hustled back to the center of the mat. And I can see, see in his face. Well, first I see the score. I'm looking out the one point match, and I can see um, his fatigue, and I know it's uh, my chance to really start moving and take the take the opportunity I have there. Okay, yeah. So let's go in order a little bit then, because your next bout you beat. Uh, Kirk Kalavecki from Northern Michigan, uh, University National Champ last year. Uh, that was a that was a big that was a big win for you um, to get the, to get. I think to start off two and zero was pro, was especially the way you did was nice because you had to come back hard, and then you got a big win over a, a tough skilled kind of guy uh, from Northern Michigan. And Kalavecki is uh, he's underrated himself to be honest with you, and he doesn't get enough attention. But I'm not going to go down that road right now, but you then face Kamal Bay for the first time, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So what was your, uh, initial impression? Yeah. So, um, I just went out there, you know, obviously know the guys, uh, super talented. Um, and I had worked out at the Olympic train center the week before a couple other times, but I actually never even rolled with him. Uh, so I didn't know exactly what to expect from him. Uh, just, you know, I was like, well, I'm gonna work my positions and see what I can do. Come out real hard and fast. The first two matches conditioning was a factor. And my thought was, you know, if I can just, uh, stay smart and, um, you know, work towards that, that's, that's an opportunity for me. And then, you know, right away within the first, it was within the first five seconds, um, his head was down a little and I was able to hit this a slide by it's my fair move from folk style. And, uh, but he was hooked my elbow, you know, Batman's roll or whatever you want to call it and got on top of me. I was real frustrating to give that up. And then of course, uh, he went right to his, his lift from there. I was, I thought I was doing okay on my defense for that. Uh, I was able to float it, but you know, give the one correct throw. So that was, uh, and then I was just, you know, stayed on him. I felt all right in a lot of the hand fighting, and then, uh, you know, the challenge, um, that was a little frustrating for me because, you know, it gave him an opportunity to you know, catch his breath and uh, come back and then get his offense going. Uh, well, I mean, he was already scoring on me, but uh, I, I didn't really uh, – I kind of lost my rhythm there after after that. So, I don't know. Uh, one more stay really, really there. I feel like it's a match I can, I can score more points in and, uh, you know, close that gap a little more. Um, with another opportunity there. You had already qualified for the world team trial. So what was your 
I don't know, main kind of, you know, attitude approach, however you want to define that uh, regarding this tournament. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been going back. Um, I was a little banged up after the Schultz, but, uh, you know, basically right after that, I knew it was, um, I wanted to go up. And I, I've been trying to put on extra muscle, really, to fill out 77 kilos. You know, I want to put on another two pounds of muscle, if that's even possible. Um, and and that would make it better. I can force myself down to 72. Um, one of the problems is that, you know, I could do the weight cut, you know, pretty far out from the tournament to make it something that I can rehydrate in time uh, for this first round of matches and things like that. Whereas I'd rather, you know, be focusing on the wrestling, things like that, leading up to the tournament. And then not to mention, uh, I haven't seen the explicit rule for the Air Force, but I expect that they are going to want me at an Olympic weight if I do WCAP. So just adjusting earlier to 77 kilos makes more sense than staying down and continuing losing muscle to maintain 72 kilos, where I can gradually start putting on muscle to, to fill out the higher weight class. And then, I mean, on my feet, I don't uh, feel particularly small. The main places where I notice the size difference is parterre. And then maybe at 72 kilos, I'm more on the taller side maybe for the weight class. Maybe I'm more average at 77. And being a little taller has its advantages if you're jacking up under hook or something like that. So it's, you know, adjusting to your different body style. Because, um, you know, obviously the benefits of being uh, shorter as well. Just you know, making those adjustments uh, to whatever. No, then let me jump on that right away. What is your training status as of now, in regards to the Air Force, potentially WCAP, all of that sort of thing? Uh, yeah. So uh, the latest I heard, I think the email was last week or the week before that uh, my package made it to the legal group, and now it's sitting at headquarters Air Force. So I think that's the last step, and it's looking promising. I guess I'm at the mercy of the system on on when that kind of goes through so my question regarding that is where will you train at the air force academy or will they put you at the olympic training center will you go to marines or army yeah so that's uh it's been a hard choice for me they give me some leeway uh for the air force wcap program to train where i uh, where I where I choose, and I have to make an argument on why it's a good training location. Now, if I'm a freestyler, that's you know, massive right of options. But for Greco, you know, the options are a lot smaller. And I'm just yeah. trying to figure out where exactly is best for me. Right now, I'm liking Colorado Springs just because I have the Air Force room, the Army room, and the OTC all in that same yeah. area. So, um, you know, that's certainly something I'm looking, looking at. Um, I don't know if I necessarily want to move back to Wisconsin, but uh, that's always nice to be close to home and just you there. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. Bunch of different ideas. No, I, oh, I, I mean, you're overseas. more than welcome to come up anytime and get some training in. I, yeah, so I'm going to definitely hit you up on that. Time, you come, you know, one of the next times I swing back get, in through Wisconsin. Brandon, uh, when you were getting ready for the Open, what, where were you training? Who were you training with? Yeah, so uh, most of it has been at uh, 505 Wrestling Club in Albuquerque. It's a club that I um, started with Nathaniel Augustin. He's the head coach down there, and we, you know, coach a bunch of youth kids and whatnot. But then uh, Nathaniel, he All-American once in Greco and then uh, wrestled for Ohio State. So he's been coaching me, and I've been training there. 
now we have two guys, one's 19, one's 20, that were training there with me. So it's my coach. Those two guys are my main training partners. Uh, and then whenever I had the chance, I, I, I hop into other rooms. So, for instance, the week before the Open, I was in Colorado Springs for work the whole week. Uh, crazy work schedule, but it was fortunate that I was in Colorado Springs. So they would get the OTC for a practice. And then most of my work stuff was down by Fort Carson. So I um, I was swinging into the Army room uh, quite a bit and getting some workouts in there. So they've been uh, really welcoming to me. It's been uh, a great help. That's cool. That's good. It's nice to get in different rooms to get different looks. Cer- certainly with practice partners, you know, because I mean, I noticed that even at Armed Forces, um, you know, I have um, my partners are all like left leg leads, so just my first contact off the whistle is ba- is backwards. Um, you know, when I go out there, so it's like, okay, I got to make sure that yeah, I'm yeah. getting those different looks in the rooms. And then I mean, parterre certainly there's there's people who never lift and. If you never see the list in practice, your defense is going to be garbage. Yeah, I mean, see, that's one of the most that, – that goes in with all the stuff I said at the intro that makes you, like, you know, completely crazy to me, is that not only are you – I mean, even even now as we stand here in early May, uh, you're still s- sort of semi-new in a way. And, like, you haven't had consistent partners yet. Yeah, so, I mean, that's um, something I'm, you know, going to keep working on, leading um, up to trials. And uh, certainly afterwards, I'll make sure I'm I'm ready to go. Okay, so for the segment of the audience who very well may be sort of unfamiliar with, now I'm not look at I'm I'm not asking for classified secrets or something like that or positions of satellites or whatever it is you do, but for people who don't necessarily have a grasp of the scope of work you do can you provide some semblance of a layman's perspective absolutely like dorky and geeky as like you absolutely have to yeah no worries um so i work at the air force research lab the um and there's 10 different directorates i i sit in the space vehicles directorate and so i work as nature stuff to other groups but most of the work is there with space vehicles, and by that, it's largely satellites. But part of it is the ground infrastructure to support the satellites as well. So, you know, for instance, the Air Force cares a lot about weather. I work with, you know, some weather missions, things like that, um, space debris, uh, uh, things like that as well. So, that, you know, touch on it a little bit, maybe. Uh, I work with ground telescopes occasionally, uh, things along those lines. Let me ask you a question. So, have you ever seen like a moon rock in real life? Uh, yes, um, but that was in grad school. They have one in a case at uh, Rice University. Okay. How yeah. about? <laughs> all right. Well, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Then, how about what? Let's say I was a flat Earth theorist. How would you argue me down? <laughs> yeah. So that's actually a funny thing. I I try to troll people sometimes at work. You know, we're we're sorting out this orbit. You know, whatever. And uh, hey, how's, how's this angle going to look at this weather satellite? Like, well, there's warping on the edges or something. And it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. The Earth is flat. This is, this should, shouldn't be a problem for us. And people just shake their head at me. But uh, <laughs> I mean, er- everything we do with it just doesn't make sense at all. Um, yeah, the Earth is definitely round. 
Well, wait a minute, but what do you, what about the people who say things like, you know, and I've seen like YouTube videos on this. Uh, wait, well, let me, let me rephrase, reshape. Cause it's not like I've gone down like the YouTube rabbit hole and as if this is some kind of serious way that I would ever spend my downtime. It's not, not something I'm, you know, locked in on. But I did see. I get it. You're, you're 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 six weeks in. You're six weeks into YouTube videos. No way. Down the no, 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 no. I get it. It's not funny. <laughs> no, it's not funny. But like, what what about the idea that the idea that the moon landing was uh, was fake, and that it was done on a movie set, and you know all this other kind of stuff. Like, where where where? How do you considering that your your interest in the profession you have serving our country i would imagine you have something to say about that yeah yeah so i don't uh, i don't find any of that stuff either yeah I mean, in general i think it's always healthy to have skepticism uh, for a lot of things but uh the evidence for us going to the moon is is pretty high so uh, i haven't been convinced by any of those videos yet i suppose um i mean there's just then there's certain things with like the shadows and possible um on the moon and what possible from a set. So yeah, but, I think the, you know, the telescope, I think, though, I think right? it's the, the Hubble telescope, yeah. can't the Hubble telescope actually see like stuff we've done on the moon? Can it? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it can actually. Okay. Well, there you go. That would be, yeah. that would, so I'm sure people would go take pictures of the flag. And <laughs> totally satisfied. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's always fun to, uh, you know, I guess know something that other people don't know. So uh, I think they, it's always attractive and addicting to go down those conspiracy theories. And I, I've heard other ones where, well, we maybe went there once and then the other ones were fake, you know, because we wanted to make sure, you know, advertise that we were doing more and more. Now, so maybe, you know, maybe something like that's more. What sense would that make, Brandon? I think we went there. Why would once. you fake, why would you go the first time and then fake it every subsequent time, though? Why? Well, so I think that that might have been like they they didn't make it the first time, and then they may have won a later time, so they lied. I don't know. That's dumber. That's even dumber. That's even dumber. Maybe it's even dumber. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I occasionally work with folks from NASA. So uh, I I haven't gotten into this with them yet, though. All right. Well, let I'm not trying to I'm not trying to politicize this. Okay. Um. All right, so and I don't want to put you in a dodgy spot, but if if I, it's one more science question, and that is, Hall really kind of doesn't subscribe to the belief in uh, climate change. Whereas I'm not saying I believe in climate change, but uh, I don't know. Part of my part of my perspective comes from living in New Jersey, where we do have turbulent temperatures, especially when the, like the, you know, the severe seasons uh, move into more moderate ones, you know, like winter into spring, summer into fall. I don't know. It it just, and it also, because the Jersey shore got pounded by um, Superstorm Sandy and they say in this documentary, I forget what the name of it is, but like, that the volume of the water has increased. And the reason why the volume of the ocean water on the, you know, on our coast has increased is because 
the water temperature is slightly higher than it has been in like, you know, however many millions of years, thousands of years, whatever it is. Okay. So like I watched that documentary and I came away from it like, okay, well, there's no doubt something's going on. I don't know to what extent, what degree, so on and so forth. And I understand that this has become a political, you know, ping pong sort of thing. I get it. Paul doesn't believe in climate change at all because I mean, let's be real. Why would he? But I, I'm on the fence. What, what do you have to say about it? Yeah. So certainly it's not, um, it's not my area, but I do, uh, do some I, I didn't with, say it was your uh, area, weather. but you're smart enough. Science weather. And I, yeah, I so I'm just, I'm just giving some caveats. Okay. Um, so it's, it's certainly interesting. The, the really good satellite data, I think started in the eighties and there's really good evidence that, the temperature has risen since then some marginal amount. Now, you know, you can get a debate how much is related to what the humans are doing and how much isn't. And then some of the, I think the real debate comes in, you know, what do we do about it? And if anything we do do, can we even make a difference anyways? So I think that's really where the, the big debate comes in because the benefits that we've gotten from fossil fuels, you know, since you know, going back to the industrial revolution, Every, everything we do, I mean, even if you look at the last hurricane that hit Harvey and, you know, it's bad. So even if you said that the hurricane was from, say, global warming caused that hurricane to be worse than it would have been. Well, the fact that we have fossil fuels allows us to build a satellite to go up in space and image it and predict it and evacuate the people and everything else. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm not, you know, I think, you know, the idea of, you know, being conscious and eventually trying to move away from you know, you need so much carbon in the atmosphere because that probably will have some effect. Um, you know, kind of makes sense. But some of these measures that are trying to be imposed are going to raise fuel prices, which would be, you know, catastrophic in certain parts of the world where, you know, living on a dollar a day. Increase in fuel prices is life and death over there. So I think we got to be smart about what actions we take. Um, but, you know, thinking about long term, it's probably something we should be uh, considering. I can see I'm researching at least. Well, isn't there isn't there a company like some kind or maybe some granted project or something like that where they've come up with these you know how like cell phone towers can look like trees now and stuff like that? Yeah. Okay, like didn't somebody some company or whatever it was develop like these trees, like these synthetic trees or something where they can, like, I guess, somehow or another, absorb ozone from the atmosphere. Uh, potentially ozone. Um, I know that we had the big ozone crisis a long time ago, and we banned CFCs, and that was able to repair itself. But um, yeah, absolutely, carbon capture might be a more viable solution than just trying to emit, reduce the carbon we produce. And um, I actually have a really good friend, and uh, over the last two years, he planted over a million trees, and you know, that, you know, part of the idea behind that is you're capturing some of the carbon that we're putting out. There you go. That's, uh, I don't know, ideas like that I'm interested in. And, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of nuclear power. Uh, it's the uh, only thing that can produce enough power and has no CO2 emissions. I just don't see uh, wind and solar getting, getting us there in their current, their current form. You know, what's funny is I made fun of Wisconsin before. Like saying like how Berryessa was, you know, making genetically modified grain soak 
the cows in Wisconsin would eat it and everybody that eats the cows would become smarter. But like, look at like Mueller's, you know, a genius and happy to answer science questions for no reason. <laughs> I can't go, I can't, I, I, I can't go into some of these details, you know, my history on the farm, the lab I grew up in. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> okay. Well, my last my last question is this then uh career wise wrestling wise at least is that whatever happens with you know w cap your training situation so on you're not going to have that ironed out likely before tulsa or you will yeah so the goal is to have it before tulsa but i don't want to change change training location and coaches um you know within the 6 weeks here so my my hope was to get into it before then so that I can at least train full-time locally um, and then uh, move sometime in July. So we'll see. I'm at their mercy, but hopefully I can get that. So out. how long will you be on orders for if you get into um, the Yeah, so it's, it's, through, it's, it's through trials or through the Olympics, depending on how I do the trials. At uh, All right, well, look, good deal. I appreciate you coming on. I'm sure Hall does. This was awesome. A lot of fun. And I got to tell you, I always love watching you wrestle. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, and I don't know. I, I Best of luck in Tulsa if I don't talk to you. And I don't know, Hall, do you have something to say to your, you know, I guess somewhat sporadic <laughs> former pupil? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just stop on by when you get back up here. All right, Brandon, thanks a lot. Take care. We appreciate you hopping on. Good luck. Appreciate appreciate all the uh, all your support and stuff for the sport. So uh, have a good uh, rest of your week. Okay, take care, Mueller. And that was Brandon Mueller, seventy-seven kilos, Air Force. The one point that I wanted to ask you about that I brought up talking to Mueller, which uh, who I'm, I am very impressed with him. I mean, I'm impressed with him as an athlete. I'm impressed with him off the mat, I think. And plus he's pretty hilarious, but is that that's not, that's, that's all true. Like he doesn't have, I mean, even now I don't even know if he's reached, maybe he's over 30 matches at this point, perhaps. Um, but he goes and wrestles in the the military world championships. He wrestles two fantastic guys, and he hangs in there with them. And I know that we don't we're not supposed to, you know, go nuts over these kinds of losses and stuff. And but that's gotta that has to mean something, no? I mean, I would think it. I mean, look, it. I get, I get it. He didn't win the he didn't win the open this weekend and stuff like that, you know. But yeah, but that's impressive, the right? He's got on the mat. You know, give the guy two years and see what he can do. You know, he's a hard worker. He's, he's, you know, he's done what he's done basically on his own. So, I mean, it it is impressive. You know, you get him a coach that's on him every day and where he's training full time and he's doing, you know, a morning workout, working on technique and then a, uh, conditioning, weight training, whatever you want to say. And then uh, live wrestling, he's going to improve. I'm hoping he gets that uh, WCAP program that he'll be able to train full-time, and, and we'll see how good he can get. 
that's all I ask for any athlete in this country is for them to have the opportunity to somehow or another find the resources available to reach their maximum potential. That doesn't just go for Mueller. It goes for everybody who wants to have a full-time career because not everybody is with that luxury of having consistent partners and good coaches and consistent consistency in all the other aspects outside of wrestling. You know, whether that's like you say, strength training and recovery and the kind of things that I think a full-time athlete needs to be able to you know, observe, adhere to, however you want to say it. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, and that's a tough, tough uh, part of Greco-Roman uh, wrestling. In the United States, you know, there's very few people outside of the military uh, uh, groups that um, actually make 30000 or more. You know, if you, if you're not in the military for Greco, you're not making that much money. You know, provisors very lucky with Penn State that uh, they wanted him to come out and train out there. It's a great situation. He's learning a lot out there. He's he's learning, uh, you know, the, just how to train himself. And, and, and he's getting paid to do it from the regional training center. So, you know, it, it's tough for our athletes, um, you know, and, I think we need more people to be able to help our athletes get the uh, things they need to become successful. You say people, what do you mean by people? You know, sponsors, we, you know, uh, sponsors, regional training centers, uh, colleges, we, you know, there, there's a lot of regional training centers out there at major colleges where, you know, they, they got money, you know, um, I know, uh, at Ohio state, they have, uh, Harry Lester come in there and, and work with some of the guys. He was out there before, uh, the open working with a couple guys or three guys from, uh, Stevens point. So, you know, it's getting the kids resources so they can learn and develop and not struggle. Um, and not be poor, you know, I, it's, it's crazy, you know, number one man in the United States right now per month makes a thousand dollars. That's poverty, you know, and you're training and you're putting your body through all that for what a thousand bucks a month. I mean, it's insane to me that we can't take care of our athletes better. You know, you wonder why they can't bring guys in from overseas. They don't have any money to do it. It's the perils of existing in a non-state-sponsored program. No, for sure. You know, but, you know, there's, there's opportunities out there to help these guys out. You know, I know... Um, you do something where you can donate to the Greco-Roman program through your website. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, working on, uh, my strength training program. We got some docs involved, uh, some chiropractors involved that I really love the program and hopefully eventually just start networking the people and, and start trying to raise some money for the athletes. 
I think it's a perfect way to to close out, except for the fact that I really love Wisconsin. I respect everybody in Wisconsin. You're my favorite person from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, just like you are from Jersey. Well, you know what my, know what my like my my. I think it's because you on the East Coast you you naturally have this like arrogance that everywhere west of you is like really behind you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like so well, the jokes are just easy. Like it's just you know yeah. even if it wasn't Wisconsin, oh, I was killing Minnesota for the longest time, and like a couple of the storm guys were telling me, "Oh, you've got to spend time here. If you spend more than twenty four hours here, you'll never want to leave." Like they tell me stuff like that. And it's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, it, I'm obviously just kidding, but yeah. it's still funny because, well, I shouldn't say it's funny. I don't know if it's funny to other people. I know it's funny to me. Yeah, so. it doesn't bother me. I hate it for five months out a year. Well, you, you see, the, there's, the reasons why you hate it is the reason why I want to experience it, though. So Yeah, that's not different. Well, strokes. how about... How about I move to your place and you move to my place and we can experience it that way? That would be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. You guys don't get much snow, do you? It depends. I mean, this year, 2018, we actually got more than we we have in in a, in a while. Probably, I think okay. in, over a decade and change for sure. Yeah. I think we've. Yeah. I mean, we had a couple that were. What, eight inches, nine inches? Well, wait a minute. Well, first off, I have to preface that with I live at the shore. The shore is a different weather system than where I grew up, which was 10 miles outside of Manhattan. So here on the sh- 10 minutes from the ocean, it's yeah. a little different because most of the time it'll be a l- like we'll get less than other parts of like, let's say, New Jersey, New York City, you know, the five boroughs, Long Island, everything um, we will get less. Like, I would say 80% of the time, we'll get less. So if they get a foot, we'll get, like, let's say seven, eight inches, for sake of argument. The It's the direction of the wind, that how it comes off the water and whatever else. Basically, if something switches, we could be the ones who get completely obliterated, and places north and west and everywhere else will get, like, half of what we do. So it it can really kind of change, but it changes. Eighty yeah. percent of the time, we get a a, a a a a better version of what everybody else gets uh, pounded with for sure. But yeah, no, yeah. we got snow this. We got snow this winter. We got a. I mean, we didn't get Wisconsin snow. We didn't get Minnesota yeah. snow, but we definitely got snow. What for a, sure. What a scintillating way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That was a scintillating way to end it. Because, of course, if there's anything people want to hear, it's talk about the weather. And and look, I get it. So many of our listeners and Five Point supporters, who I practically love as much as my family, are from Wisconsin, Minnesota, and places like that. Illinois got my heart, too. And, and I mean it. I love all you. We all do. Everyone associated with this platform. And speaking of Minnesota, for instance, I will make an honest effort to spend some real time in Minnesota. I've been coerced enough times to do so. Up until now, I've only been in that state for brief periods, and I've never really gotten a chance to do too much out there. There are always plans in my head to spend a weekend just doing stuff on the storm and all that. So, uh, you know, hopefully we can make that a reality sooner rather than later. Will the joke stop? No. Look, 
I talk to Hall more than any other human with the exception of my wife and kids. The only time we don't speak is if he's traveling for clinics or, or to coach at an event. So when this guy is ranting about Wisconsin, I go in one of two directions. Either I tell him I want to live there because it's colder. You know, a lot of you have probably heard that in previous episodes. Or I completely diss everything about Wisconsin and make it seem like I think the state is full of farmland, nickel jukeboxes, and drunk college kids who, I don't know, spend too much time at those water parks in the Dells. That's just our life, and it's not changing. But I mean, honestly, yeah, I'm sure all of those places are full of nicer, warmer, and better-mannered people than most of the ones who occupy the area of the country in which I grew up. We're not a real say-hi-to-the-stranger-on-the-sidewalk kind of populace. Uh, But to close with wrestling, yes, the U.S. Open was exciting, a word often overused this week, perhaps, but it's true. And more than that, it was important. Greco, specifically senior Greco right now, needed a shot in the arm domestically. The devoted hardcore Greco fans needed a reason to feel vindicated as to why this style is the best, why they're hyper-passionate, super-passionate, and even more pressing, people who tend to usually not pay attention to Greco got to see what this sport can look like when it is competed and, you know, what in this case, yeah, even officiated the right way. This has never, it's never been about talent. All of our athletes are talented. They're also dedicated and uber competitive to an extent the normal person cannot relate to or properly appreciate. Hall used the word showcase pertaining to all the years when he competed at the Nationals. And, and that's what this was, a showcase. And yeah, hopefully it attracted more interest and eyeballs to what our guys can do in the right environment while also delivering one hell of a show. As for this week, it's the Pan Am Championships. If you're listening to this before the results, since this episode was recorded before the tournament began, um, be confident as a U.S. fan. We almost always perform excellently at this event it would not surprise me if the u.s comes away with somewhere in the neighborhood of eight or even nine medals and i know that sounds insane and as many as half a dozen champs but i don't believe this to be hyperbole if it is i'll be proven inaccurate fairly quickly one way or the other the americans are going to do extremely well in peru and give all of us one more reason to be proud and optimistic as the season begins to yield more and more to the summer when the real fun begins, I guess you might say. All right. Well, look, we're, we said we're going to increase the consistency in regards to this podcast. And here we are episodes in consecutive weeks, believe it or not, it's a lot of work to fit this in, but we're certainly glad to do it and grateful for everyone who checks it out. And yes, yep, certainly follow Dennis Hall on Twitter at Dennis Hall WGW. No, he is still rather inactive, a curmudgeon, if anything. I happen to be of the opinion that if people start bothering him enough on there, he'll have no choice but to get involved. Start an argument with him. That's the that's the key. That'll probably do it. As a matter of fact, I'll send you a five point shirt 
to the first person who gets all riled up enough to pop on Twitter, provided you show me you know, some semblance of proof that this experiment worked. And as always, please follow Five Point Move. That's fivepointmove.com. On Twitter, that is 5PTMove. Okay, that's it for episode 16, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. This show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.